got the energy flowing, do you? As of October 17th here in Canada, Jamie's going to be able to look to outside sources to help her energy flow. flow. As it is now, it's just my coffee that you poured into your cup when I wasn't looking. In all fairness, you got a venti and I got a nothing from Starbucks. Yes, you got a nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Startup Them podcast and I've got to answer the first question which people are asking is, what happens when coworkers steal your coffee when you're not looking? Jamie, do you have an answer for that? You look to the blonde drinking your venti grande bold. And pick your pick your battles. That's what I chose to do. Pick exactly. your battles. Pick that your wasn't battles. a battle. Especially because I brought you the coffee. You, you did. You did bring me the coffee, which was much appreciated. And then sp- sp- promptly drank the coffee on my behalf. Thank you. You're welcome. Jamie, we are on week three of our podcast. We missed week Uh, week three of the podcast week four chronologically i think we missed last week's we were too busy we were way too busy last week so i apologize i know that we're aiming for one podcast a week but it'll probably be like one every two maybe sometimes every week i'd like to still aim for every week uh and then we'll make up for it with like three in one week when there's something relevant this is craig's way of trying to have control over me because he doesn't check on what i do on a day-to-day basis so he wants to look at me in the eyes while we record and ask what i've done for the last seven days i don't need to check on you jamie every moment of your life is documented in instagram so (sighs) whatever craig fair enough the good ones been a good week hasn't it it's been very good well yes it has been it's been good two weeks it's been a good two weeks some real highlights so we uh the where we last left off if my memory serves is that you have, were meeting or met with uh, the the final director of Ampliset. Yes. Uh, you got your final thumbs up you're officially been hired by Ampliset. you are the ceo you met with the research team yes 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 and, and then we were gonna go and meet with the chairman of our board of directors kevin yep we did that, went well, Kevin loves me. Well, you came in prepared too. I you did. came in with like a two page business plan. You explained quite clearly what your direction mm-hmm. for the company was. Um, that I think was all directors want to know is that their officers have things in hand and that will turn to them for guidance when they need it. Thumbs up. Exactly, told him I'd keep him in the loop only for the good news, not for the bad so much. We talked about you meeting the researchers. They loved you. They, I think they liked me. Uh, they probably just liked you. Yeah, I had warned them off not to look past the veneer just to like and keep you at a distance. Keep me at a safe distance, exactly. A safe distance, yes. Met with them twice since then, actually. Well, and the second time, though, was with the big mucky mucks. It was with the big mucky mucks. Two different levels of government Mm -hmm. that were involved because being in Canada, there's a a large amount of governmental involvement when it comes to uh, funding research projects such as what you're doing. And so you had two levels of government who had provided funding or were hoping to provide additional funding. What was that? What was that like? It was good. It was good. Um, I was inadvertently a little bit late for that meeting. Not intentionally, but let me say that definitely got me sweating a little bit. By the time I finally rolled in, they were all sitting around the board table and uh, it was an accident. What happened was our calendars were synced wrong. So for me, it said 2.30, for them it said 1.30. We all had a good laugh, ate some pastries, got to work. And in the end, they ended up giving us more funding for that grant. (laughs) So our researchers got six months of additional funding 
we cheers to that. I just imagine somebody with a cigar and a monocle going, I like the balls on you. <laughs> Showing up like, I want to get more money to her. That's, uh, but it worked. That's exactly what happened. Additional funding. So you've got funding for the research teams that are working mm-hmm. on the Ampliset technologies or yes. expanding them up yes. until well into 2020 now, right? Uh, yeah, that will take us into 2020. That is awesome. Would you recommend to people if they were looking for further funding for their projects, whether it be research or government related, would you recommend to them to show up late just to establish boundaries between your people there? <laughs> Absolutely not. I was I was actually sitting in my office preparing, going over everything I wanted to say to prove that I was the right person, that I was the proper fit for Athlaset. And that's when my phone rang and I realized I was late. Don't go in late. And I had, I'd say double check your calendars. I triple checked them. I literally, I was OCD about checking them just in case my eyes saw something wrong, but the calendars were just in different time zones. The calendar was talking in Winnipeg time. It was talking in Winnipeg time. It wasn't, they had sent it to my personal email address, which I made back in like 2005. They didn't send it to my business email. That would be too hot for you at (laughs) yahoo.com. Yeah. yeah, I wanted them to know who they were yeah, doing. That's with. It. Yeah, that's it. You can't get the whole facial as she points to her face. This, yeah, they, they just need to understand. My I've friend. heard you many times on the phone go, uh, you understand I am pretty, right? Uh, so that's always a good move. You know, I, I really appreciate you telling me I'm pretty, Craig. Oh. <laughs> I'm just a I'm simple prairie that girl that doesn't think, see what you what I'm telling you, you, you think you are. I that's all. You do not think that you're pretty. Because there's a lot of ugly people who take photos of themselves and post them on the internet. There are. (laughs) (laughs) And you follow many of them, don't you, Jamie? I try to unfollow it. I don't want to discriminate. If anybody wants, we've got to now a counter to watch Jamie's followers and likes decrease in real time on uh, the various social media platforms. Oh, well, that was fun. I think we're too full of piss and vinegar now. Are we? I think we are. Oh. Mm. Let's move on to a question from... Fair enough. We have questions? We do have questions. Startup them question time. Excellent. Yes. Okay. So this one's actually for you, Craig. And I have a feeling that they were referring to you working with me since you're clearly a senior... And I'm a millennial. But the question is, what is it like working with a millennial? Well, interesting. Since I have worked with millennials before, I can tell you that just because you were born in a certain period of time doesn't put you into the millennial category, which is oftentimes used as an epithet. Uh, And frankly, much like epithets when they're racial, is probably uh, misappropriated, misapplied to people simply because of when they grew up. I think a millennial is a state of mind, not a year of birth. And Jamie, you are not a millennial. I am a millennial. You are a millennial by birth, but you are not a millennial by attitude. Uh, I think you're closer to a Kardashian when it comes to your social media presence, but uh, I don't necessarily see you as a millennial. Here's what I think of as a millennial. A millennials are people who like to take the easy way out. Now I do sound like an old man, don't I? You certainly do. So it's, they take the easier, easy way out. They, uh, they say, well, uh, money isn't important to me, not like your previous generations. Uh, we have more important things like self-satisfaction, but that self-satisfaction tends to be focused on just hanging around, playing video games and watching TV. 
Are um, you a millennial? I probably would be a millennial if I could be. By that I definition. Was, if by we that stopped there, right? Yes, because I am a lazy, lazy man. No, you like video games, though. And I like to, part of my laziness is sitting and watching TV and playing video games. But I don't, because I have to get out of bed every morning. I have to go off and do things that interest me. Um, and I, I kind of feel, and, and I'll be honest, it's part of my jealousy as well for somebody to be able to stand up and go, yeah, you know what, I'm going to take a year off from work to focus on my novel, to focus on going and hanging out at uh, a Occupy Bay Street or Wall Street or Occupy The Street. Um, it just, it's not something that's available to me, so there's a little bit of jealousy that, why well, I, I wish I could just put everything aside and go off and do something that I wanted to do to make the world a better place or to make me a better person, but I can't. And so therefore I take that jealousy and I instead turn it into anger of how dare you do what I do. The only way to make it through life is what I did. Famous words of everybody who's made it through life. What about you, Jamie? What do you think? About working with millennials? Yes. Or you, do you see yourself as a millennial? Yes. By birth or by the... Uh, by the uh, characteristics that are normally attributed towards millennials? Hmm, both. Okay. I would say both. By birth, because I don't have a choice in that. Um, but by characteristics, I'd say not by your definition. But I think that when I was first told about millennial, the definition of millennial, it was said with a negative connotation to it by one of my professors in university. So this was a good 10 years ago already. Um, and they said that we do put a high value on um, self-satisfaction, on feeling valued, on feedback, but we also want to be compensated probably more than what we're worth. Which is every generation as it first, at all times, not even when it first enters the workplace, mm -hmm. um, every generation feels those things. Um, the, uh, I've, I've always been a little angered by the, oh, millennials just need that constant feedback and constant reassurance that they're doing a good job. That's called good management. That's called good workplace ethics. If just to yes. go off and say, Bob, you know what? That was a good job that you did. And it's not only, it's not good feedback always. It's just any kind of feedback. And I'm someone who does need that. If I do something good repeatedly, I don't need a pat on the back every single time. But it goes both ways. I want to know if I'm doing something that isn't, hmm, how do I say this? If you're doing something wrong, you would hate to do that wrong twice. For, for, for a year, like or, twice, sure, but for it to be an ongoing thing and then to be told down the line that I was doing it wrong or I really dislike when you do this and then to have it held against me as a deduction in my column. If we were to look at the memes or the videos of what a millennial is though, it's uh, taken to the extreme that in, that constant need for for feedback and reassurance and validation is taken to the extreme in the videos there's there's not a single video out there where Jamie Zapperzan the millennial goes for a job interview showing up on time dressed professionally and with a with a resume in hand ready to work um, either longer hours than necessary um, th that that's not much of a video but that's the Jamie Zapperzan you work you constantly are working at all times to become better to focus on whatever the task is that isn't the millennial way. The millennial way is to say, I don't start until 10.30 because I like to watch. Is that uh, really how we're viewed? Well, that's how it is in media. And of course, yes. taken to the extreme. We, have, we know people who are like that. We've met people who take the validation to an extreme where it's a constant 
uh, is this a workplace or is this a, uh, a parent issue, mm -hmm. uh, they're out there and that is the, the aspersion cast towards the millennials. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to the entire group. Um, there are things that, uh, that are certainly ring true with the generation. But I would argue that those things that ring true with the millennial generation have rung true with every, every generation, generation for the last 100 years. 100%. 50 years ago, people were saying uh, those guys that were uh, 50 years ago in, what, 2063, 2068, 1968. Uh, so 50 years ago in 1968, there were people saying, oh, those guys that were born in the 50s, they just want the world handed to them. Mm -hmm. uh, every young generation wants the world handed to them. And as an older generation, you think that they haven't earned it yet. Um, I'm sure there's a 75-year-old right now who thinks that this Eric and Craig Sherburn hasn't earned it yet either. Exactly. Like, I know lazy 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, lazy 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds. doesn't matter what generation you're from. There are hard workers. There are lazy... Lazy bums. Lazy bums. Lazy bums. And I'm kind of half and half. You're not lazy. I am so lazy. I just don't let it show. What can I say? I nap when you're not looking. I know you do. I'm looking. Oh, there I'm you go. I'm always watching. Never mind. I was just resting my eyes. On your yoga mat. On my yoga mat. <laughs> in the corner with a bag over my head. Exactly. Okay, this is the next question. How question? come my naps what? sound like a kidnapping? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Ignore that Amber alerts. <laughs> <laughs> what would Amber alert for old farts be? <laughs> it's a who cares alert. Thank God he's gone alert. Here's the thank God he's gone alert. If you find him, just let him wander. Uh, okay. Question number two. Yes. And I really look forward to the answer on this one, not because it applies to me, but you'll, you'll know why. Okay, so question number two is, how do you deal with a boss who doesn't pay you? A boss who doesn't pay you? Yeah. Let's take that to more, how do you deal with people who owe you something <laughs> and money? Because I've never had a boss who doesn't pay me. Although I have... Um, I have seen so many times, I have many clients who come to me and have gotten themselves into a situation. Uh, an example, uh, drywaller. Drywaller has been working for six weeks, is supposed to be paid every two weeks, hasn't been paid for three pay periods. And the question out of my lips is, why are you still there? And there's every reason in the world. It is rare that somebody just doesn't pay you. Instead, they have a story. Oh, they're good stories. The check is in the mail, or I'm just waiting for this to clear, or help me through this part and I'll pay you extra the next time. There's every story in the world. So um, it's rare that a client comes through the door and go, oh, I forgot to cash the checks or even ask for them. Most of the times there's always been a story. And as every victim goes, or everybody who's a victim, they have a little bit of victim shaming where they, 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 uh, well, I should have stopped working weeks ago or I'm an idiot for doing this or I know I was stupid and you're going to tell me no and I will stop them and say, stop shaming yourself. There was a good story. We as human beings are incapable of solving the great riddle of somebody who has hacked the system and figured out how to break human and human society. And that is, they figured out how to lie. We have no defense against somebody who is willing to look us in the eyes and lie. In which case, if you haven't been paid and the boss has spun you a story, then you are not to shame yourself for being the victim. They lied to you. What were you supposed to do? 
put them on a lie detector. You might even look back and go, I think I knew they were lying back then. Hindsight's 2020. So what do you do if a boss who doesn't pay you? You understand, A, that what you did in the past does not bind you for what you choose to do in the future. You are, can always at any moment stop, change history, and act in a different way, such as, I'm not working until I get paid. I will find that there are people out there where the squeaky wheel gets the grease, that the people who bitch and moan and complain are the ones who get paid first. And it's not the way it should work. It's not the way that I think that uh, the great uh, majesty of whatever uh, great intelligence that created this world, should there be any, uh, wanted it, but uh, it's the way it is. So start demanding what you're worth or alternatively, just make a, make a decision to go somewhere else. Um, particularly that's not somebody you want to work with. You need trust back up and down the chain. He needs to be able to trust you. She needs to be able to trust you, depending on mm -hmm. what, your, what sex your boss is. You need to trust them. Your thoughts? I'm coming back to something that you've said over and over again since two years I've known you, and it's the saying and the part of my vulgarity. Right. If you act like a bitch, they'll treat you like a bitch. That is, uh, I'm glad you said it. Now I can say it. That is one of my phrases. I wish I could come up with a better phrase that captured the same truth, but that is it. Yes. If someone owes you money, your boss, of course, if you want to keep your job, you have to do it um, diplomatically. But generally speaking, the longer someone owes you money, they start to justify it to themselves. Well, it's been six months now, you know, maybe I'll owe them for last pay period, but I feel like I made it up to them because I bought them a Burger King sandwich last week. So you, as soon as it starts getting, you know, a couple days late, you want to get on it. Invoice them. If they say that they've forgotten, invoice them. Keep invoicing them. And after that, like, how long can you go without getting what they owe you. I, don't I know. think you touched on a couple of things there that are really important. The first is, is human beings have um, an incredible capacity to justify. Yes. And so it is rare to meet truly evil people. Most of the times they justify it in their own heads, either by ha buying the hamburger or um, I gave you, don't you remember, I gave you those free movie tickets or frankly just, look, if you don't have the balls to ask for it, you don't deserve to get it. I frankly think that those are inherently evil people, but they justify themselves whatever way they do. The second thing that you touched on there was, was this interesting element of uh, you have to ask. You have to constantly ask for it. There are people out there that benefit from our politeness. Mm -hmm. We feel it's impolite to ask for our money. Where is my damn money? We're Canadians. It's rude to ask for these things and they will benefit from it. So yeah, you just got to, there is no shame of asking for funds that you have earned and people have told you they are going to pay you. We see that all the time in one of our businesses uh, on the lighting side where people are constantly trying not to pay their bills. And yes. as a good example, you know, okay, you can, there's reasons why you might go after a bad account. There's reasons why you might not. In the end, that's your decision of what you're going to do about it. It's not their decision instead. Um, they can they can abide by whatever rules they want to. They can try to lie, cheat, and steal, and then pat themselves on the back and say, look what I did. Look what I got out of this by lying and cheating and stealing. It's between them and their God. Yeah. Um, help themselves to happiness. I know I'm going to operate in the way that I want to do business, which is honest, forthright, and at all times trying to really be upfront with people on their expectations. Uh, I'm blamed enough for what I have tried not to do. 
Uh, many times, well, people will blame me. Oh, he lied to me. I'm like, I don't think I did. I think I was honest and upfront and forthright at all times. You may not have remembered it. You may not have heard what I said, but I said it. So that's the way I do things. And you well do said. it the same way. And well said. You gave me the opportunity. This is now the Craig Sherburn podcast with Jamie Zapperzan occasionally chipping in. I'm sorry for my long diatribe, but this is something that's kind of important. It happens a lot to it me in my career. It happens a lot. And nothing to do with Craig. Craig has always paid me on time and never missed um, the pay period. But I think that from what I've seen, um, people owing us money. No uh, no, people, well, people, people who don't want to pay their bills. Exactly. Um, and for whatever reason, they justify Oh, a little hiccup there. Uh, for whatever reason, they justify it. Um, was there's it a smelly hiccup? It was not a, it was a hiccup. Hiccups okay. come in, not out. I wasn't sure if you were going to say hiccup. Oh, or... here comes a bum burp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> luckily, we're, we're in lots of pause, areas. There's, no. A, no, there's no pause. Uh, we, we see it all the time, but I see it as a lawyer all the time. I kind of shake yes. my head. There are times I have to counsel people to say the other side should pay. They have a legal obligation to pay. The amount that they owe you is less than it's going to cost, cost you to have to, to go after them. Yes. Um, and it breaks my heart. But I also say, look, you know, it's not for us to uh, exact vengeance or justice for people. It's whatever they want to do. So in the question here about a boss not paying you, I would tell you that a lot of what we're talking about where we walk away from debts um, is because it's a one time only. We're not interacting with these people anymore. At times I will think of it as good riddance to bad rubbish. Um, I would pay twice that amount never to have to deal with that customer again or with that client again, for example, if it's a client that didn't, uh, didn't pay me. In this case, it's a boss, ongoing relationship, trust needing to go back and forth. I would say you've got to A, establish the parameters of your relationship mm -hmm. and that parameter does not include not paying me money I've earned. And frankly, two is that if that isn't established and dealt with quickly, go somewhere else. Uh, yes. Go somewhere else. Hallelujah. There you go. Set those parameters. How come I have a feeling that there's going to be a list of parameters when we quit this podcast? <laughs> I want to play that song by Rihanna. Bitch, better get my money. Oh, we're going to get a DMCA takedown now because it was... <laughs> That ns, ns, ns was just perfect. That was, uh, that's going to get hit on all the detectors across the internet. Ugh, and you know, I have to say it one more time. because You said it so well. I want to underline that and highlight it and put a little star next to it. You set be... those parameters today. If you're listening to this person who's not getting paid by your boss, set those parameters today because the longer you drag this out, they're going to establish that you don't have a backbone. Don't let someone walk all over you. I, I would I would actually, I'm going to disagree with you and reel it back. It has nothing to do with backbone. It has nothing to do with walking all over you. It has everything to do with a relationship needing to go back and forth on parameters that you agree with. Uh, the whole backbone thing feels like you're victim blaming. And people say, oh, you know, I've got to do this. And what we're always, all we're trying to do is encourage people to stand up for what yeah. is right and what is true. It has nothing to do with you not having backbone if you choose not to, because there might be good reasons. But I got to tell you, make a change. And at any day you can wake up and make the change, whether we're talking about a, an abusive relationship, whether we're talking about an abusive relationship or an inappropriate relationship with a supervisor or a boss, whether that be bullying, whether that be sexual harassment, whether that be just not paying their bills. At any day, you can just flick the switch and make the change. 
Um, but at the same time, it doesn't make you a worse person by not choosing to do it today. There's always good reasons for not. Usually it's, it's rare to have a relationship, particularly with a boss, that they don't pay you anything. It's usually the bonus. It's usually they pay you a little bit and you're like, that's how they, they these weasels learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. They say, I'm going to pay you $1,000 a week. They pay you two fifty and promise the remaining seven fifty, And so that they've got you on the hook because do you really want to give up the two fifty all in the principle of the seven fifty? And it's, it's just dirty. At any time, you can make the change, flip the switch, give me a call, I'll come after him for the rest of the money. Ooh, here's me, uh, this is not me marketing for legal services, this is not an advertising. I gotta stop that as a lawyer. Uh, but you know, there's ways to go forward and to, to deal with this. Craig the bounty hunter? Well, just Craig, the guy who doesn't like people getting taken advantage of. Such a good guy. I am such a great guy. He's so nice. We should change the title of the podcast to Yada Yada Yada, Craig's Awesome, Yada Yada Yada. <laughs> Too long, didn't read. Craig's awesome. Moving on. Well, that was a good and question. And get that backbone. Yeah, get I that had to backbone. add that in since you corrected me. Get your backbone slide. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do we have time for another question? I think so. Let's try it. Okay. <clears throat> and then we're going to follow up with some current news afterwards. <laughs> current news in the news. Question number three. <clears throat> How do you position yourself for promotion in your organization? Well, if it was me, I'd position myself out of view because there's no way that. How do I position? I saw that going in a really. How do you position yourself? I and know, and then you started like laughing pause. in a creepy way, and I was like, "Oh no." Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know. Um, how do you position yourself for a promotion in an organization? I have found two weaknesses that I've observed. I found and observed. I've observed two weaknesses in organizational structures. The first is, is that the guys who do the work get it done quietly without a fuss, without drama. Things just get done. Tend not to get appreciated as much as the people who there's always drama associated with everything they do. That final project, there's, you know, uh, a project's due in, in three weeks. And then there's a weekly meeting and in every weekly meeting, it's a talk about how hard this is or what problems are being uh, uh, arising. Um, I'm not sure if we're gonna be able to get the project done because of A, B, and C that always have nothing to do with them. And then suddenly the project gets done and they're heroes versus the guy who's just silently sitting in the back saying project's going fine, project's going fine. And nobody really appreciates that guy for getting it done. It's a yes. weakness of organization. Um, it is where good managers don't let that obscure their vision of the projects and how the people are performing. The biggest issue, uh, and this comes back to millennials, is drama. Nobody wants drama in the workplace. It's the one thing I've said to you over and over over the last two years, Jamie. You are a drama-free person. There is no drama associated with Jamie. Uh, that goes a long way. Oh, I'm blushing. But in the, that's what that looks like? Okay, there you go, she is blushing. Uh, in the workplace, though, unfortunately, there's a kind of an inverse drama that gets recognized and rewarded because they're the superstars. When they're not, they're people who either create drama, have drama just, uh, they either create it, drama finds them, or they advertise what little drama there is and blow it out of proportion, all to make themselves look better. So, how do you deal with that? And go back to the question. That's the problem with organizations. How do you, go back to the question, which was, how do you position yourself uh, in an organization for promotion? The first is blow your own horn. Nobody's going to blow it for you. Uh, there is a, uh, a mentality, particularly in Canada, for it's, uh, it's impolite to talk about our, our own successes. 
you've got to take a, take a deep breath, put on your big boy pants, and sometimes blow your horn at the right times. Performance reviews being one of them. Second is ask. Ask for yes. it. This is part of the squeaky wheel. If you want a promotion, you ask for it. You go in and say, I believe that I deserve this for the following reasons and I did these things. And when they go, yeah, but what about, you know, I, I just don't feel like you're really touting yourself enough during the, the year. You're, you're not making your wins. You're not uh, a big enough deal. Uh, come back to the answer of, is this really about me not making a big enough deal or me not being having the drama surrounding every project that I've got? Um, I don't care what organization you're in, there always seems, if there are more than five people in that organization, there's always somebody that the drama follows. Don't be the person. Uh, don't let your boss be swayed by the fact that the drama person gets all the attention because that's what they're seeking. But most importantly, ask for it. And not only that, you may be someone who's more of an introvert or doesn't like to toot your own horn, as Craig may have said, to point out what you've done. But go to your superior, someone who's above you, and say, I want to be in Ron's role in the next two years. I want to grow to be an account manager. I want to be here. This is where I want to be in the next two years. What do I have to do to get there? make a list, go through it with them, accomplish those things. And once you're there, follow up. It may not be two years, maybe it's accomplished, you can do it within six months to a year. Set up that timeline and see what you need to do. And then at least on your end of the things, you're accomplishing that. If, if it doesn't work at that job, then all those accomplishments will be just as relevant for some other position as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That fits all the criteria, actually, and I think it's even better than what I proposed because you've asked for it, but you've no, also not expected it. You haven't yeah. gone in saying, I deserve this. You're saying, I want it and I'm willing to work for it. Exactly. And what manager in, a, in the world would ever not want to work with that or have somebody like that on their staff? Exactly, and everyone isn't unique. They think the world revolves around them. They think that it's obvious they want that promotion. They think it's obvious. Well, of course I want to be a manager. Of course I want to be a VP of distribution. Of course I want to be this. Why can't he see it? Why is he not acknowledging that I was the one that submitted that proposal? And you know, why don't they see that? Because they're managing 20, 30 other people. They may see you, they acknowledge that, but then they forget about you because they have a million other things on their plate. And that's why you have to toot your own horn. That's why you have to ask for what you want. Ask for what you want in this world. Ask for what you want from that organization because no one's gonna do it for you. And if you're not there yet, ask what you need to do. Maybe I'm not there yet. What do you need from me? What can I do to make you think that I am the right person for that position? Get the answers that you need. And maybe the answer won't be what you'd like to hear. Maybe you're never going to have that position within the organization that you've reached, you know, the level is, you know, the, the top level that you'll reach with them. But then at least you'll know. There's an interesting parallel from when I was a stand-up comedian. Uh, I would get very, very good gigs. Um, I would uh, be a headliner uh, very, very quickly. I became a headliner and was touring all over Western Canada as a headliner. Mm -hmm. And many people who had either been in the game longer than I, or frankly were funnier than I was, would come to me and ask the question, how did you get that? And the answer was always, I asked for it. Yes. I phoned them and said, can I have this gig? Um, I dressed professionally. I put myself in the best position where it was easy for them to say yes. Exactly. There were a group of individuals in stand-up comedy, like there are in every industry, that literally sit in their basement frowning and sulking because the world does not beat a path to their door 
apparently just for laughs, is supposed to come hammer at their door, kick the door in, come down to their basement, throw, cast aside all the, the, the bong water and, uh, and, and beer cans, on the <laughs> and grab them and go, you, sir, are the next top comic in Canada. We found you finally and tracked you down from that video that you posted on YouTube three years ago with 57 views. No, it's the guys who go out there and hustle and hustle and hustle. Ask for it, take no politely for an answer, and then ask again, ask exactly. again, ask again. So yes, go out there Craig. and put yourself in yes. it. I have yes. been told a million times throughout my life, not a million, maybe you know, a handful, but that I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky. How did you get this? How did you get this? No luck. I've always asked. I've asked for a promotion. I've asked for a job that I've wanted. I've, you have to put yourself in it. Show up prepared. Body language is huge huge acting like you deserve what you're asking for if they say no then that's okay like i've been told no before there's jobs i have that one time (laughs) that once it still resonates it still Uh, haunts me to this day (laughs) there is something to be said too about people if there was any skill i could give to anyone to be a success in this world it'd be to how to take no Mm -hmm. how to handle rejection I've found it very difficult in my life and I think I'm unique with it until I talk to everybody else and everybody handles rejection poorly. It's those weird psychopaths that can take no for an answer 52 times and still ask the 53rd that are successful. These are very successful people, whether it be in asking women or men out, whether it be in their jobs or their careers, taking no for an answer, handling it, moving on, wonderful skill to get. You know, Craig, I have to ask you because I've only been told no once in my life. Does it get easier after 52 no's? I've given you 53 no's, haven't I? To what? <laughs> <laughs> Kidding me? <laughs> uh, it's fair here, enough. isn't it? And it is very hot. Hold on, I'm just going to slip off my shirt. <laughs> oh, that's much better. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Fair is that enough. a hairball? That is a hairball. And this is, this is half my tattoo for my LSAT number. It was so high that I had to bridge it across two shoulders. So I was studying for my LSAT. And I have to say that past tense because during that, I know Craig made that, made that a shock to you. It doesn't mean I won't necessarily pick back up again. But then I got asked to be doing the Ampliset thing. And I just figured I don't want to take three years off. School. I know. Okay, we can talk about that later because now you're giving me this look. Well, I guess I'm giving you didn't realize. Because I think the practice of law has lost, uh, has lost something. You would have made a great lawyer. I should never have distracted you with this. You would have made a good lawyer. Okay, anyhow. Sorry so while you, you were studying for the LSATs. Oh, I thought you knew. Okay, anyways, Craig took it upon himself to send me his LSAT score and I threw up in my mouth a little bit. Okay, now let's go this the other way. You asked me what my LSAT score was, and I said, I, I don't asked. know. It was in the, and I gave the number, and you gave me a look like, oh, I don't think so, Craig. So when I found my LSAT score when I was in my office for other re- reasons, I just took a picture to prove that I did get that number. So now that I'm in my 30s, <laughs> I could blame it on my memory, but since Craig is in his 50s, <laughs> I mean 40s, almost 50s. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm so old I'd like to blame it on his memory. I think that it was an unsolicited send of his LSAT score to my email <laughs> inbox. And I was like, I'll never be as good of a lawyer as he is. So <laughs> Might as well quit before I try. Any young women listening to the podcast who've received unsolicited LSAT picks from older men, please, <laughs> please, we'd love to hear your comments of how did you handle unsolicited LSAT picks? 
I think that's a perfect way to end it. I think he got like the highest score in the country that year, didn't you? I have no idea. You know. I have no idea. You do know. I no, I really don't. I but let's be honest, it'd be hard pressed to get too many higher numbers than that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. But okay. I feel like I have to bring you down a level though. Oh dear. Weren't you like the oldest guy in your class? No. No, I was not. I was not. There was there were older people in my class. There um, was, but there was a single mother. Oh, let, no, we don't want to go down that road. We don't? No, 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 mm. no, no. Uh, there was always people who would use whatever excuse they could use to be able to get that extra edge. Craig, what are you saying about single mothers? I'm just saying that I don't care. <laughs> I, I shouldn't know if she was a single mother or not until, of course, that was the mm. first thing that happened every time that there was a, a grade that was assayed. Oh, but I'm a single mom. Well, you know what? I'm a married dad. Does that count anything? Absolutely not. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'll tell my uh, I'll tell my remedial law story in future podcasts, too. Oh, yes. Yeah, I my wife thought I was in the that. remedial law program. That's on the next podcast. That way we can have sequential listeners. Remedial law class oh, my for goodness. slow learners. Jamie, I enjoyed this one though. I think I, I apologize for my going on on things that unfortunately I didn't. I don't know the questions ahead of time. To be fair. Uh, but that one engendered a fair amount of emotion and in me, and uh, I apologize for rambling on and on to you and to the listeners. I'll make sure I solicit more emotion. Craig is actually a big softie, so maybe I'll try to get him to cry for you guys on one of these episodes. Is that another way of saying Craig's fat? He's what? a big softie? <laughs> no, you're emotional. Oh, okay. That's it. <laughs> How about that? Fair enough. How about we instead, you can call me a big softie as a euphemism for fat, and I'll call you hard and edgy as a euphemism for thin. <laughs> I took that as a compliment. It's funny. I didn't take mine as a compliment. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Startup and Podcast. I am Craig Sherber. Numero dos. And please keep sending questions. We love answering them. And by we, I mean Craig. And by Craig, I mean me. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you next time.